All right, well, good morning. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm excited to uh, be up here with you. Uh, for those that may not know, my name is Justin Fanna. I'm the children's pastor here um, at River Run Church. And every once in a while, I get a chance to uh, come on in here and hang out with you. Um, but real quick, just in order to make me feel a little bit more comfortable, if at just random points during me speaking, if one of you can raise your hand and ask a question or make a statement that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, that would make me feel right at home. Uh, uh, I love it. It's so much fun uh, hanging out with the kids. Uh, so... As uh, we were talking about, or as you saw on the bumper there, we are talking about generosity. We're kicking off a series on generosity for the month uh, of November, and I'm really excited about it because it is one of our culture statements that we say all the time. Nate literally just said it. Um, Generosity changes lives. It's one of the culture statements we have here at River Run that we really, really, really believe. And yes, we look at, of course, Jesus' sacrifice and what he made, and we're going to talk about that uh, today for sure. Uh, But also, we might have experienced it or watch somebody experience it as well in a way that it really, really changed our lives. And when you have that or experience it or you watch somebody else experience it, you can really say yes. That is 100% true. I know for me, uh, and my family, I can speak. Um, we did, you know, you guys did pastor appreciation last month, and um, we can't thank you enough on behalf of me and, and the other pastors, just the, the generous words and encouraging words and, and some blessings in there as well. Just so, so grateful for that, and it was so awesome. Uh, and then on top of that, um, a lot of you know that, that uh, this past July, uh, my wife Morgan and I and our family, you know, adopted our son and brought him home, and that's largely due to so many of you um, and, and reaching out and helping us in so many different ways, and we're so grateful. So I can definitely say generosity changes lives. And so before we kind of dive in fully, let me pray um, for us. Lord, I'm so grateful to be here. Um, I am an imperfect and broken messenger, uh, but you are here with us and you desire for us to hear you. And so that's what I pray is that I would just step out of the way and that you would speak through me uh, the things that you desire for us to hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as I said, we're uh, talking about generosity. And one of the things that I like to do for myself too uh, is this idea of like, okay, when I hear a word that I've heard a lot, love, care, you know, something like generosity, I think, well, what's my first response to that? All right, because that says a lot about what I think about it or who I am in regards to that. Okay, and so generosity is one of those words where you're kind of like, what does that mean exactly? Right, and so what we're looking at today and how we want to define this for our series, okay, is the idea that generosity is an open heart that moves freely towards other people. All right, generosity is an open heart that moves freely towards other people. When we hear that word, we might automatically think of finances or we might think of possessions because those are kind of like tangible things that we literally, it's the act of giving over to somebody else, right? So if I'm tithing or, you know, giving or somebody needs, a, you know, their car broke down and they need, you know, you let them borrow your car for a week or something like that. Like that's a literal, like you have that moment. And those are awesome. But really we're actually not going to be talking about that much at all during this series. Because when we think about just those things, it tends to put what God can do through us into a box. And if we don't want to put God himself in a box, then we definitely don't want to put into a box the things that he can do through us, right? And so we really want to say, okay, an open heart. An open heart means, God, my hands are open. I am ready to do. My mind is open for whatever you're asking me to do. From the simple to the maybe a little bit more complicated, depending on what the situation is, I am fully open to this. 
And when we do that, we begin to see that it's far more deep and wide what God is asking us to do. Because the thing that we really want to focus on here is heart and freely. Heart and freely. God is interested, Nate just said it a little bit ago, in our hearts. He's interested in our hearts. The things we do can say a lot about where our hearts are. But if we're honest, there are certain things, again, back to the, to the money and possessions at times, I can write a check and give because somebody's asking me to do that, but has it really done anything in my heart? Sometimes no. Sometimes, for sure, I'm, I'm literally responding. But in some cases, no. And if we think about generosity being an open heart moving freely, like I just respond to something, I don't really think that much about it, then it really begins to show us what it means to be generous to others. Because another way to think about it is that generosity is an everyday opportunity, an everyday opportunity to reflect God's love to the world. Generosity is an everyday opportunity. Now, for many of us in here, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm talking about financially or possessions-wise, I can't do something every single day for somebody. There's, there's, there's just, I can't physically do that when it comes to just those things. But if I'm open freely, open heart to whatever God has for me, well, then the possibilities become endless of how I can reach somebody, how somebody can reach me, how generosity can flow freely. So ultimately the goal, all right, his glory and pointing others to him, his glory and pointing others to him. And so a part of it is this radical idea of generosity and love. We just finished a series, so feel free to go back and and watch back through that online if you'd like, Uh, walking through the book of Jonah, right? And it says that love is the hardest thing that we do. That's what we talked about. Love is the hardest thing that we do. And generosity is an action piece within love, right? It's us sharing that love and going out. And ultimately, that's the key because it shows his love, reflects it to the world. And then they would go, there's something with that. I want to know more about that. And it's an open door to be able to point others to him. So what I want to do today is I want to walk through some scriptures here that we look at in the idea of generosity and kind of a full scope of what generosity can look like. We're going to spend most of our time in Luke chapter 10, okay? We're going to spend our time in Luke chapter 10, a lot of it. But before we get there, I kind of want to walk through a couple different things to set us up for that, okay? So the first place that we're going to go is Genesis 3. We're going to go back to the beginning. It's a good place to start, I'm told, okay? So we're going back to the beginning of Genesis 3. Now, this is right after... Adam and Eve made the mistake. Okay, they ate of the tree they weren't supposed to eat of. They've made the mistake. The relationship is hurt. The relationship that God set up, the original intent for it, has been broken. Okay? And so they're, they're all of a sudden, everything has changed. And they're realizing a whole bunch of new things. Okay? And so this has just happened. So then the Lord God called to the man. He's walking through the garden. And he says, where are you? The man, Adam, right, replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Sounds like a great reality TV series, Naked and Afraid. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Okay, jokes aside, I want to focus in on this part right here because I was afraid because I was naked is shame. Shame has been introduced. There was not shame before. Now there is. And one of the biggest ways that God loves us and that if we truly have aligned our hearts with Christ and believe in what he's done for us, then we are free of this shame. 
We do not have it anymore. Now, we still might wrestle with it because our human nature and all that kind of stuff. But Jesus is saying, I don't see it anymore. God's saying, I don't see it anymore. So this is introduced, shame. But I want us to see something very interesting here. Okay? We're going to skip ahead a little bit in chapter 3. Because here they've messed up. They've messed up. They've hurt the relationship with God. God is hurt. This was not what he had planned. He gave them the option, you can love me by doing what I've asked you to do. And they did the very thing he asked them not to do. But God is love. God loves us and he cares for us. And in verse 21 we see, and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. He is in the midst of pain, God is. This relationship has been broken. It's not the same as it was. And yet, in his heart, did he move freely away from them? No. He moves freely to them. And in the midst of their mistake, he covers their shame. He covers their shame. And so what I want us to grasp, we could do a whole series on all of this, obviously, but what I want us to grasp for our scope of what we're looking at today is that you can be generous to those who have hurt you. That's a tough sentence. You can be generous to those who hurt you. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. This is a huge struggle. But what I want us to see is, guys, if we're going to be a people recognized for radical love and radical generosity, it takes things like this. You just hurt me, and now I'm caring for you. And the person who just hurt you goes, what? You are confusing me right now. I don't know what to do with this. Because that's not how it's supposed to work on earth, right, with humans. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. Or I'm going to cut you off, and I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Right? But instead, you can be generous to those who hurt you, and we have a chance to radically show God's love. So we're going to skip ahead just a little bit to Luke. (laughs) Maybe it's a lot of it. But chapter 8, not 10 yet, okay, chapter 8, all right. And here what we see is Jesus is on the scene, okay. Jesus has come. He has started his ministry. He's with his disciples, okay. He's a shocker. He's preaching to a bunch of people, all right. Seemed to be one of the things that he liked to do. Uh, And what's going on right before we get to this is that a man named Jairus comes up to Jesus and says, hey, my daughter is sick, very sick. We think she might actually die. I really would love for you to come to my house and see what's going on and see if you can do anything with that. And Jesus says, absolutely. So that right there is generosity, right? That's right there is generosity. Yes, he says yes, okay? Now on the way, they're literally on the way to do that, to to see what's going on with this little girl, right? And it says, a woman in the crowd, starting in verse 43, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. She's desperate, right? Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. That makes me laugh. If your parents in the room, you know what that's like, right? Who broke this? All your kids. Wasn't me. Okay, well, clearly it was somebody, okay? So I love that. Well, I, I didn't touch you, Jesus. But Peter says, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. Like, it could, it could have been anybody. It could have been anybody, but Jesus knows, right? He can, he can sense her heart in this. 
He can sense her faith. And sure enough, she sees this, or we see this in verse 46. It says, But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out of me. When the woman realized she could no longer stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him, that she had been immediately healed. Going on, it says, Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, that's amazing. That's an amazing story. It's awesome. Her faith, right, in this moment healed her. She trusted that Jesus could do something for her, and he did. But here's also what I want us to see. And again, a lot of these we could keep going and keep going and keep going just on these passages, right? But for, the, for what we're talking about in this series, what I want us to see is this. Jesus was literally on the way to do something else. She touches him. Does he keep walking? He stops. He stops. And what I want us to see is you're never too busy to be generous to someone. You're never too busy to be generous to someone. There was not somebody whose time was demanded more of him than Jesus. Especially once word got out of what he was doing. Are you kidding me? He was surrounded all the time. It said it uh, in, the, in the passage earlier, right? Peter was like, everybody's pushing against you. We're surrounded right now, right? His time was demanded of all the time. He constantly had people like Jairus coming up to him. Can you do this? Can you do that? He's literally on the way, and he stops and addresses this woman. And it changes her life, not only physically, but I would bet a lot that it changed her inside as well in her heart from that moment on. You're never too busy to be generous to someone. I have a, uh, a pastor friend up in North Carolina. There's a church up there, Pastor Mike, and uh, he used to say, and I don't know if he got this from somebody, so I'm just going to give him credit. You're welcome, Mike. All right, um, but he used to say all the time, probably still says all the time, if you're too busy for God, you're busier than he intended for you to be. If you're too busy for God, you're busier than he intended for you to be. Now, we can think of that in kind of a quiet time, journaling, reading our scriptures, you know, kind of way, or we can also think about it in when we're being asked to be generous to somebody. When we're being asked to be generous to somebody. Because when our hearts are open to God's movement and what he's doing in our lives, we can have that sense, that prompting, that leading in a moment, but we can ignore it, right? We can ignore it. I've done that. You kind of, you see a situation going on and I can stop or I can, you know, but I've got too many things going on and I just want to keep moving. I'm 100% guilty, 100% guilty of that. But when our hearts are open to God's movement, we're looking at people for who they are and how God sees them, not as obstacles in our day, right? We're looking at them for the person that they are, not as an obstacle to my day. God, what do you want me to do in this moment? So we see you're never too busy to be generous to someone, right? Because like Pastor Tyler has said a lot, Jesus is never asking us to do something he hasn't done or isn't doing, right? He stopped. He took care of her in that moment. He addressed her. All right, we're going to move over to Philippians chapter 2 as we see another aspect of this. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. 
So we see the idea of busyness in our lives. We see the idea of I've been hurt by this person. Okay? Here we see the idea of humility. All right, we see Jesus stepping out of his equality with God. And in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul is writing and lays it out in one of my favorite ways as he talks about what Jesus did. So starting in verse 5, it says this. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He was equal with God. He's there. He's in the presence, right? And he didn't think. He knew what he had to do. And he willingly stepped out of that situation down to us. And it goes on and it says, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So what we see here is being fully generous means being fully humble. Being fully generous means being fully humble. If if I'm going to have an open heart that moves freely towards others, okay, there has to be humility involved because if there's not, oh, well, I've got this to do or I'm doing this here or they did that to me or what. There's all sorts of excuses that can come in. But if my heart is open to freely move towards others, there's a humility that says, you know what, it doesn't really matter what I am right now, what I'm dealing with right now. This person needs something. And even more so, if people understand some of the things that you might be going through and see you stepping into things anyways, that too is a wonderful picture of generosity in radical ways. Where it's like, wow, I know they're dealing with all this stuff and yet they're still out here doing this or they're helping somebody with this. Being fully humble. If anybody had any right to not be worried about being humble, it's Jesus who is equal with God, and yet he steps out and he says, no, 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 I see God the Father, what it's going to take to bring all of these people back to you, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to do it, and becomes fully humble. In order to engage in true generosity, humility has to be present, because it means we're not expecting anything in return, We're not looking for recognition or reward or anything like that. It's just purely, I'm here to help. I'm here to help in whatever that looks like. Because if I'm expecting something in return, then it's not necessarily generosity, right? It's not necessarily generosity. So this brings us to our main passage, Luke chapter 10, like I said. Here we see Jesus teaching to a crowd, again, right? That's what he liked to do. And a religious law expert um, looks to try and trap Jesus. It was one of their favorite things to kind of do, right? He looks to try and trap Jesus in his words. And so we're going to pick up in verse 25 here. And it says, One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Which, by the way, was a favorite tactic of Jesus ask a question back. I'm going to start doing that to people, right? Just ask them, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? All right? It's a great tactic. So Jesus, truly, Jesus wants to know how this guy feels about it or what he thinks about it or what is he, what's true. 
So he asks the question, the man answered, the religious law expert answers and says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Nailed it. He got it. That's right. All the way back in Deuteronomy, Moses giving the law and all of this to the people, the Israelites, right? Laying down the original law from God. This is it. The Jewish people consider this, they call it the Shema, right? It, they, they talk about it every day. He got it. So that's what Jesus says, right? Yeah. Good job. Way to go. Do this and you will live, right? Do this and you will live. Here, the idea of living spiritually, not just flesh and bone, right? You will live in, in God eternally. You do these things. But what God is, or what Jesus is poking at here is this idea of generosity, all right, and an open heart. Because the guy answered correctly. In his words, he said it correctly. But what Jesus knew and what the struggle of the, the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of those, was that they'd gotten so comfortable and enjoying their lifestyle that they'd lost track of what this actually meant. They could say it. We can say it. I can write a check. But do I really believe this in my heart? Is it a response out of God's love for me? And he knew, because he can see what the guy's trying to do. He knew this guy's agenda, right? He knew what this guy was trying to do. So we move on, verse 30. It says, the man wanted to justify his actions because Jesus kind of handled that, right? And he's like, oh, okay, now I look maybe a little bit uh, dumb perhaps, right? It's like if you stood up and said, what is two plus two? And Jesus said, what do you think two plus two is? And he said, four? And he's like, yeah, good job. And you're like, okay. And everyone's like, I mean, we knew that. Why, is, why are you asking that question? So he's trying to justify himself, right? He says, so he says, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story, another favorite tactic of his, right? So he's asking, who am I to love around me? Okay, who is my neighbor? So Jesus just says, great question. And he says this, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. We'll get to that in a minute. A Jewish man, it's important. He's traveling down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now, a little bit of perspective on our day. I've never had that happen to me. Okay, so I can be grateful for that, for sure. Okay, because that's a bad day. That's a really bad day for this guy. The other key piece is that this man was Jewish, and that's going to be important here in a second because it goes on, and it says, by chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. All right, a priest, Jewish, right? Okay, oh, perfect, this is the guy. This is the guy, he's gonna come over. He understands how, what the Lord is asking us to do and all of that, right? So he's gonna help this man. But he doesn't. He passes him by. He passes him by. Then a temple assistant walked over. Oh, okay, well, that was a little weird that that guy passed by in that way, but, but a temple assistant will definitely do it. He'll definitely do it, right? He walked over and looked at him. Okay, a little bit further now. He looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. He also passed by on the other side. So here we see two Jewish men who are in line with this other guy, a Jewish man, right? And yet they pass by him. The very people that we would think 
that we would think pass by this man that we think would help him? And how often do we see, how often do we see in our lives Christ followers say, uh, I don't know if I should do anything here. And it's somebody else who we're not sure if they're a Christ follower or not, or maybe we're not sure they're not a Christ follower. They're the ones stepping in with generosity. We see this all the time. So it goes on. It says, Then a despised Samaritan came along. A despised Samaritan. Now, we covered this, we've covered this before, but Samaritans and Jews hated each other. So Jesus is setting this up on purpose in his, in his story here. Okay? This is a big deal. Jews and, and thought of themselves better and pure, and Samaritans as unpure and unclean. So they didn't like the Samaritans because of that, and then the Samaritans were like, what gives? So they didn't like the Jews, right? So they didn't like each other. So he's juxtaposing this, that the very two guys that you think should help this man don't, and the very guy that for sure should just pass things right on by, all right, he came along and he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Compassion for him. To me, that's the open heart moving freely. Compassion just... He feels it, he moves. He feels it, he moves. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he took the man and put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. Where he took care of him. Going on. He says, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. The next day, by the way, means he spent the night with the guy. We don't know what was going on in his schedule, but he stayed with him right? He handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So here we see this idea of, I love the the word compassion, because it really has that idea of an open heart moving freely. One of the ways that I think about it is if you think about like professional athletes, okay, they do some pretty amazing things with their body. And if you see them, football, soccer, basketball, whatever, if you see them interviewed afterwards, okay, say, you know, this player did something just incredible with their body in the game. And they ask them, hey, what were you thinking during that moment? And do you know what they say almost 100% of the time? I wasn't, (laughs) right? They've trained their body. They've done this game enough right? And they see something. They say, the only way I'm going to get to this ball is if I do this. And their body just responds. There's no thought involved. They just do it. What if we're a people? What if we're a people who have open hearts that when we see something, we just move? It doesn't matter what it is, right? It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's spending time with people, if it's giving something somebody, right? If it's saying a kind and encouraging word to somebody, because you see that would be really helpful to them in that moment. Whatever it may be, what if we're a people that had that kind of compassion that just freely moved without thinking? So it goes on, and Jesus asked the question, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Again, two plus two. I think we all kind of get the idea, but he's trying to prove something to this man. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, Okay, you you answered again correctly. You're 100 on the quiz, right? Verbally. But now go and do the same. Don't go and answer the same. Don't go and give all the right answers. Go and do 
the same. Go and do the same. So he set this up, this whole story, with the aspects of what we were looking at through the scriptures. It's one of the things that I love so much about the scriptures is you see this thread of God's love and how he cares for his people and for us and the consistency and the constant pieces of that. He's not just telling this man, because he knows, he can see the guy's heart. The guy is seen as godly and pious from the outside, but he's not doing the things that God is asking him to do. There's a real quick story in 1 Samuel where we see Saul, who's the first king of Israel that they put in place, right? And the prophet Samuel comes to him and says, man, you are not doing this correctly. And Saul says, but I gave all the sacrifices just like the law says. And God says, or Samuel says, God doesn't care about the physical sacrifices themselves. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. So here's God, or here's the, you know, Saul doing everything he's supposed to do. And yet, and yet he's saying, Samuel's saying from God, I just want your heart. I just want your heart. And so what I want us to see with the Good Samaritan story here, and a lot of us might have heard this before, read it before, but hopefully taking a minute to kind of look with fresh eyes, is if we look back at all of our pieces, we see you can be generous to those who hurt you that we talked about, right? The Samaritans and the Jews did not like each other. You could probably fill in the blanks that the this, this Samaritan had had some run-ins maybe with some Jews that weren't great, didn't have a great feeling of them. He did it anyways. You're never too, be, never too busy to be generous to somebody. He was on his way to do something. He was on his donkey, right? We don't know what his agenda or his schedule looked like, but he, he stopped he took care of the man. That takes time. He walks the man gently, probably. That takes time. Right? Then, he, as I said, I, said, I said before, right? He spent the night with him. Like we can see in the, in the text, right? He spent the night with him. So there was no cell phones then, right? He couldn't text somebody be like, hey, it's going to be tomorrow. Sorry, I'm helping this guy out. Right? We don't know what his schedule looked like, if he was meeting anybody that day, whatever, but whatever it was, that person had to wait because he spent the night with the guy to make sure he was okay. Being fully generous means being fully humble. So not only was he fully humble in the way that, even with the stuff with the Jews and the Samaritans, he was willing to get down on his knees, take care of this man in the dirt, and then physically a sign of being humble where he puts the man up on his donkey and he walks, right? He puts the man up on his donkey and he leads the donkey and he walks. And we see that his open heart moves freely towards others as we set up at the beginning. His open heart moved freely. He had compassion, he moved, he didn't think. He just did it because he saw a need. When we are open and willing God will use that for good. And what does that look like? I would wager to say that a lot of us have felt that. We might have not acted on it. Like I said, I've been guilty of that. But you see a situation and you feel something and you don't do it. I've had it to where I've, I've kind of had that prompting and I go, oh, I should probably, and then I don't. And the rest of the day I'm like, I, I needed to do that. I needed to do that. I, I felt it, Lord, and I didn't do it. But we're not going to move freely 
to others without our heart being open first. Think of it like when it's the engine, right? If our heart is the engine, the hands and feet are there and they're ready, right? They're ready to do some stuff. But if our hearts aren't driving that, if they're not open and ready to drive that, we're not going to go anywhere. We're not going to go anywhere. Or we're just coasting. The engine's not really on, right? I'm just doing this because I'm supposed to. I helped somebody out here, so I gave that because I'm supposed to. But the engine's not really running. I'm just kind of coasting because it's what I'm supposed to do. When our, the engine's running and our hearts are open, God, what do you desire for me to do? We'll move. And if we have a critical and judgmental heart, that's like not having the starter. Engine's not going to do anything. It's not going to start at all, right? Because we've closed things off. We want to have an open heart. So how do you open it, right? We always like to, we want to try and give like practical things. How do we open our hearts, right? A few things that we can think about here in a way to kind of open our hearts. Number one is prayer. We could think about prayer. Speaking to God, having that communion with him. And one of the things that I want to look at here is prayer, you know, can be listening. It doesn't just have to be talking, right? We can listen to God. First Samuel 3.10, right? When Samuel's younger and he's learning to be in the temple and do all those kinds of things and he thinks that his mentor Eli is calling out to him when really it's God and Eli tells him, just listen. He says, okay. And so then the next time that God does it, he says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, right? We can listen. And when we do that, it's helping us begin to recognize and discern his voice. Scripture reading. Everything we do here is rooted in Scripture. Because when we do that, we see the character of God constant and consistent throughout the whole scriptures and how he is constantly pursuing us and constantly coming to us and then asking us to do the same for others. The more we're in prayer, the more we're in scripture, the more we're going to be able to recognize and discern his voice and him moving us. Recognizing it from others or in your relationships, right? When you see these things, when you recognize a moment where somebody did something, we begin to go, oh, the more that I'm around that, the more I have a sense of that as well. And so we have a chance to see that. And I just want to make a note here. We're actually going to be, and I'll mention it in a little bit later too, we're going to be doing a, a social media campaign uh, through the, this November, December here where we're going to have hashtag RR generosity. What we want us, everybody to do is we want everybody to take pictures, if you can. If not, you can just write the story, right? Um, and to hashtag it, our, our generosity, if you're doing something with your family or if you catch somebody doing something, you might not even know them, but you might want to share it with somebody. Hey, I noticed this moment and I wanted to share it with everybody because the more that we begin to see those things, the more we begin to recognize it, the more we begin to go, God, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to do? And if, you don't, if you're not on social media, which is totally fine because we know that, that some people aren't, then you can email it. Like if you catch it and you want to email it to us, you can do that as well. We would love to have that. God's Spirit will move us and prompt us when we're open and willing. And we, we want to begin to discern it and recognize it, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. If we want to be a people of radical generosity and radical love, we have to have an open heart to others and be ready for whatever that looks like. It's a compassion that moves our heart openly to others. So we're going to be stepping into a time of communion here. 
Um, and if you guys don't have, we have some, uh, some more of the cups in the back if you guys didn't, didn't get a chance to grab them. And this is really an amazing opportunity to go, wow, Lord, I get a chance to step into this and recognize the greatest act of generosity the world has ever known. When Jesus stepped from his equality with God in order to come rescue us and draw us back into God's family, fix that relationship that was broken that we saw all the way back in Genesis 3. But we don't want to miss the generosity and the love in that moment. We want to say, Jesus, I see what you did. Jesus, I'm in awe. I'm overwhelmed with the generosity that you're showing and that you've shown. And my desire for us right now is as we do that, we're gonna sing this song called Surrender. And I want us to do just that. That we would surrender, that we would say, God, let my heart beat in sync with yours. Show me how to love others the way that you love me and that you love others as well. Because I see what Jesus has done for me. So wherever you are, take your time with yourself, with your family, however that looks. You peel back the top layer there and there's the little wafer and then you peel back the second piece and there's the, the juice there that we represent that Christ was broken in his body for us and that Christ bled out, but that that blood washed us clean and offered us a chance to come back to God's family. So won't you pray with me as we think about that? Lord, we're so grateful for you, the generosity and the love that you pour out daily that has overwhelmed us with the thought of the sacrifice that you've made, Jesus. So I pray for us here today that as we take this bread, that as we take this cup, we would remember your body broken and your blood poured out for us so that we could have that relationship back in God's family. I pray that each one of us would enter into a posture of surrender here with you and that you would speak to each one of our hearts in this moment. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.